0: This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN, Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. First hour of the program of the week. Brought to you by Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. Great weekend for you, Jeremy. Was it? Was it everything you wanted it to be? It was nice and quiet, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> nice and quiet. Yeah, I woke up this morning and and saw on ESPN that the Olympics had closed. Uh-huh. And I did not even know that. I just went, well, I guess it's done. What will I do now? <laughs> Not that you watched any of it to begin with. I watched more of it in Brian Hall's office than I watched anywhere else. Which is just sad. Which I was doing about 45 seconds at a time. That's absolutely sad. You should be more invested into the into uh, into the into the sports prowess of your country. Uh, who won the most medals? Uh, U.S. U.S. Who won the most gold medals? Uh, the U.S. There we go. And say, I didn't have to watch the second of it for that. <laughs> That's right. All those, uh, I, I saw like three articles last, late last week talking about how, oh, look at the, it's just the American media trying to pretend that we're supreme to every other country because China's kicking our tail, and the gold medals won, and we keep tallying it up like the total medals, like that counts. Gold should count for more than anything else. Yeah, look how it ended up. Yeah, it does, and, and we won. <laughs> yeah, Yay! Look, look how it ended up. The USA finishing with the most golds, the most silvers, and the most bronze medals at the 2020 Olympics, held in 2021. I feel like that was the biggest... That was the biggest controversy of the whole time. We didn't know what to call it. Everybody, you know, half the people wanted to call it 2020, half the people wanted to call it 2021. Um, I, You know, it, it was fun while it lasted. America yeah, yeah, reclaimed. It. Shut up. I mean, the, the, there. the highlights, <laughs> anyway, there will be indelible memories that I will never forget. America reclaimed the gold in basketball when that was the one that you was like, oh, that's not going to happen. In the end, talent wins out. Hmm? When you have Jason Tatum as your sixth man off the bench, that's the end pretty well for you. Yeah, pretty good. I got duped by the fact JaVale McGee was on the team. Sue me. <laughs> no, you just wanted to throw barbs. No, I guess I didn't care. I, when you get to JaVale McGee and Keldon Johnson, that's a little deeper in the, uh, in, in the old stable than I ever wanted to go. Well, I mean, you just had to find guys that would be, be able to do that quick turnaround thing. Wasn't a problem. But now that that's over. Yeah. Unimpeded, unencumbered football season. Football season. It is here. This is the week where we will see all teams get cranked up with their preseason games. Uh, we are 31 days away from the kickoff of the NFL season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys will be opening up the season on a Thursday night down in Tampa. Yeah, thirty-one days from now, you get to just catch an L to start the season. <laughs> Stop that! You get to catch to the Dallas an L, Cowboys. Don't think so. Don't think so, brother. It's fine. Just sit back and just. <laughs> don't believe me. Just watch. <laughs> I know you're just saying it to get under my skin. You don't honestly believe that. Do I though? Uh, You shouldn't. You you shouldn't honestly believe that. You know what I do believe? And I've believed for a long time. Yeah. Joe Burrow's in trouble. Yeah, he is. I see him. I now see him in his practice jersey with the Cincinnati Bengals. And the only thing I see every time that I see pictures out of training camp Mm -hmm. is that meme of Ralph Wiggum where he's sitting on the bus bench and underneath it just says, I'm in danger. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think of every time I see Joe Burrow now. Joe Burrow continuing to uh, run for his life in training camp. There's a video of last week at Bengals camp that I swear to you is one of the most damning things I've ever seen. He's rolling out against his own team, five black jerseys chasing him, not one teammate in sight. It's five pass rushers chasing him, and he's praying they'll blow a whistle. Mm Mm-hmm. And today being reported from The Athletic that, hey, guess what? Jamar Chase, he doesn't look real good. And you know, it's weird. <laughs> that sounds vaguely familiar to something that was said on this show a whole bunch of times. Yes. Uh, it, uh, it apparently comes out. Paul Denner Jr. reporting that you see flashes of his unique abilities early, but you also see somebody that is too tentative. And is trying to get used to a new offense, a new league, and not playing football since January of 2020. He opted out of this past college football season and got drafted number five overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. And apparently, he's not getting much separation, and the contested catches have not gone his way. Well, I mean, it's hard to get separation where your whole offense is blue forty two hut ah. <laughs> Which is what Cincinnati's offense appears to be. All right, we talked this morning in the Sportsocracy about Joe Burrow and the fact that, uh, would you you call it? You said he's got a, a case of the yips. Yeah, he can't stop raising his plant foot. Mm-hmm. He's so terrified that somebody's going to hit him that he's lifting his plant foot when he throws. Yeah, and it's making him just wildly inaccurate. And then you hear beat reporters from I think it was Saturday's practice. He went ten of eleven. And that's all well and good until you see the video of what he actually did, which was the definition of dink and dunk. Because it didn't mean time. Right. And this just seems like uh, I mean, I'm sure some people think we talk about some of the same things over and over again because it's so predictable. Right. Cincinnati, this was entirely predictable. We talked about it all offseason long at nauseam. Mm-hmm. Why is this so hard? There are just certain franchises, and right now the three that draw my eye the most are the Bengals, the New York Giants, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it seems like it's just on a rotation of their beat writers. Cincinnati gets Monday and Thursday, Jacksonville gets Tuesday and Friday, <laughs> right. and the Giants get Wednesday and Saturday. Right. Of just the most absolutely ridiculous things that come out of these camps. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer came out and said, Trevor Lawrence may or may not be their starter. Which is stupid. Which, if I'm Roger Goodell, I I would have to call Urban and go, look, I've been nice about this, but you have the golden-armed, golden boy, greatest prospect since John Elway. And I feel like you're not appreciating that. I, I feel like you're not taking this seriously, and it's starting to make me angry. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be the second coming. The question is, why is he not the story in training camp? Is it because they don't want him to be the story, or is it because that entire organization is just a massive circus? Well, at the moment, they better be glad he's not the story because he hasn't been very good. And that's predictable. We've, it, it is so funny to me, the dichotomy of NFL beat writers. Trevor Lawrence, oh, he's been so bad. He gets picked off so often. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie, being asked to do a lot. Jets beat writers after the green and white scrimmage on Saturday. Zach Wilson was like 11 of 25, got picked off twice. Oh, does he not understand the offense? No, he's a rookie. He's a rookie running a vanilla version of the offense, trying to get acclimated to the NFL. And so you've got beat writers for those two teams that are ready to jump off a bridge because the guys they took at one and two don't look exactly like they wanted them to. And then you got Chicago, In San Francisco, that are looking at it, going, "We hit Pat Mahomes, right? No big deal. We drafted Pat Mahomes behind two other quarterbacks. No big deal, (laughs) right? Yeah, maybe calm down, Mm -hmm. calm down on it a little bit. You know, you're still in shorts. Can't touch the quarterback. Things get a little different when they get hit, and you're about to see that. Which is which is a massive a massive warning sign for Joe Burrow. And the Cincinnati Bengals. It, with how scared Joe Burrow is right now, the minute somebody's allowed to hit him, I won't be shocked if he just throws the football down and goes, nope, yep. I quit. Just curls up into the ball in the fetal position. Nope, on base, the field. base, base, <laughs> base, base. <laughs> just hold on to the ball laying on the ground. <laughs> it's it's really sad. Uh, it is sad to see young guys be t- you know take on this super attention that they get all the time. But it only gets worse with social media and things like that. You just, you know, part of me feels like you got to be, you got to be one of the elite. You got to be, you got to be mentally tough to be able to succeed in all pro sports, but especially the NFL since it rules all these days. Everybody gets heaped on with every little mistake that gets made. And people just want to jump to conclusions so quickly. Because we want we live in this society where we have to have it now. We have to know exactly what's happening right now. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be the next Steve Young? Uh, we don't know. Well, it's just, well, no, you have to tell me right now. Well, I can't tell you that. Well, here's the thing. The, most sports leagues are cyclical. Right? So you just had the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA title. Mm-hmm. They had been borderline irrelevant for 25 of the last 40 years. But that's cyclical. They get the star, everything works out. I'm going to level with you, the NFL's not. It's not cyclical. There are certain franchises that I look at and go, "You know what? You just get it." Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. The reason that I gave them the benefit of the doubt with Aaron Rodgers, you've been good for 30 years. So it's you're doing something correctly. Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you keep going. It's it's not like I'm saying anything out of turn here. You know who the good teams are. Six worst teams in the 2010s. Do you know who they were? If you go by record of the worst franchises of the last decade, who do you think they were? God, I'd have to imagine it would be like Cleveland Browns. Dead last, 32. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. They're in there. Um, Tampa Bay is probably yep, in there. you're three for three. Uh, <laughs> um, Jets, Raiders, I, Washington football team. Yeah, yeah. You surprised? Yeah. No, because these teams do this over and over and over again. That's why this is so predictable. It's just like the uh, Baker. I get a lot of, why do you not think this can work? Uh, 30 years of it not working. Been down on him since the first second I ever saw him throw a football. Right. Why do I believe that uh, that uh, Trey Lance will work in San Francisco? Uh, since Joe Montana, they've been pretty good at quarterback. You went Montana, Steve Young, and then you had a mishmash of Jeff Garcia, Jimmy Garoppolo that were all fine. It was never dreadfully bad. Colin Kaepernick. I forgot to mention him. Well, the end of that was not great, but right. still got him to a Super Bowl. Right? Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's not like the Jets. We played Geno Smith for three years, mm-hmm. and there are just times that I think you have to look at the organization and go, you know, I think you've kind of earned me being a little skeptical. But great quarterbacks tend to. I, I mean, good franchises go the way of great quarterbacks. I mean, you saying have- I don't agree with that. Ten ten years of doing this in the draft, I can tell you there have been several quarterbacks that were busts Mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily think would have been in other places. Perfect example is happening right now in our media market. Every person that goes to Panthers camp says, 14 looks great. Well, weird. The Panthers are better run than the Jets are. You get a talent like that, you put weapons around him like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith, and Dan Arnold with Christian McCaffrey behind him. Weird how all of a sudden he looks better. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's that that shocking of a thing. Right. By the way, if you're not taking futures on Carolina at six and a half wins, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you how to make money any better than that. Right. I, I, I mean, I don't. I saw over the weekend their future went down half a game, and I can't. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Your local neighborhood gambling aficionado is just telling you. They're giving you free money right now. Whether you take yeah. it or not, that's totally on you. I don't understand that at all. It's like I keep seeing these uh, power rankings that have the Carolina Panthers as one of the worst the five worst teams in the league. Yeah, you're wrong. I've named five off the top of my head. It's idiotic to me because I don't see how you can look at that roster and see all of the talent that they have brought together, see what they put out on the field last year, and go, mm, yeah, that's not getting better. Of course it's getting better. This defense is going to be elite in a couple of years. It's going to be markedly better this year. Yes. We've had a lot of people that watch, but that listen to this show, watch the morning show that have been at Carolina training camp just going, it's, it's not bad. Uh It's fun to watch, and some of these rookies are really good. Mm hmm. J.C. Horn, have you heard or read one article about Sam Darnold in Carolina that goes, "This isn't going to work"? No, I haven't either. Not from anybody that's been. I have seen. It. I have seen that report come out about Justin Fields. I have seen that report come out about Trey Lance or not Trey Lance, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. You can go on and on. I have not seen one report that has come out of Carolina that says Sam Darnold looks like uh, the guy that was with the Jets. Oh, I mean, I've seen that report, but not from anybody that's affiliated with Carolina or anybody that's been in the building. <laughs> Where have you seen that report? Uh, a lot of New York media. I was going to hey, say, was that you Rich that guy that was so bad for us. Well, he's going to be bad down there too. <laughs> I mean, no, he's not. Right. Was that Rich Simini? Uh, no, Rich Cimini, when when they leave the Jets, it's just kind of like ah, they fall out of existence. I mean, as it should be. To me, as it should be with any good beat reporter. No, Rich, Rich is good for one good article a year of, hey, look at all these Jets that are still playing in the playoffs. And we're not. Didn't need a reason to drink tonight, but here I gave you one. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a Jets fan. Right. Well, I mean, after Adam Gase, it can't get much worse. Don't say that. Don't say that. We're the Jets. We'll find a way. I don't know what it is. We'll find a way. I'm glad it's you that said it this time and not me. I always I, feel like the, I have to be the guy raining on your parade to tamp down your expectations. Oh, no. I'm no homer to the, the highest extreme. I, I know, what, for, I know what, what my team is. Yeah, Except for when it comes to Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Elijah Moore is your new Chris Herndon. No, no. Chris Herndon was never the level of Elijah Moore. <laughs> By the time the season starts, Elijah Moore will actually be able to fly. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, he's like two notches away from Superman at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. But, I mean, in that little rundown that you did of uh, of all the great franchises, I mean, they've, they've gotten quarterbacks. And that's the one thing that has stemmed the tide. That's what's kept them relevant, especially when you bring up Green Bay. I mean, you can't, you know, You don't have too many franchises that go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You had Joe Montana to Steve Young. It's about the closest I can come. And my argument to that is that the organization makes the quarterback more than the quarterback makes the organization. And I can prove it, and I'll do so after the break. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of western North Carolina. And 1400 of course, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Franchises, I, I, I mean, okay, so I said quarterbacks make the franchise. You say the franchise makes the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me why I'm wrong. All right, so look at the top, and I'm going back through the 2010s because one year does not a story make. Uh-huh. So I'm looking back over the last decade. Seven best teams in the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs, which, by the way, stunned me when I saw it. (laughs) Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks, New Orleans Saints, Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers, New New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. Now, really investigate the quarterbacks that you're saying that these quarterbacks made the franchise. Uh, Brady was a sixth-round pick. Aaron Rodgers fell like a rock in the draft because there were so many teams that were scared of his mental composition. Mm -hmm. Big Ben was taken behind three quarterbacks the year he came out. Drew Brees was not let go but he was allowed to hit free he was the last big free agent really to leave as a quarterback right uh seattle had russell wilson that every team in the nfl passed on twice baltimore ravens have lamar jackson who almost every team passed on at least once Mm -hmm. and kansas city had pat mahomes where they were universally getting panned for trading up to get him yes none of those are like no doubt generational talent guys now look at the bottom seven Cleveland Browns, how many quarterbacks did they take in the the first round in a 20-year period? Yeah, quite a few. It's five. A lot of Johnny Manziel, Brandon Whedon, that's true. There's also Tim Couch, Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield, Now, granted, I never bought that, but a lot of people did. Jacksonville Jaguars, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, they're all top ten guys. Mm -hmm. You're Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, we, I mean, we don't need to talk about that. It, yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah, you got you got a quarterback from that top list, and all of a sudden you started acting like them for a minute. Yeah, we got it. We got we got Tom Brady. We don't need to talk about anybody else. Washington football team had RG three. That was he wasn't a can't miss prospect, but there were a lot of teams that liked him. Mm-hmm. They gave up a boatload to go to go get him. Nobody blinked at it. The Raiders had multiple first round picks. The Jets – I mean, we'll talk about the Jets. We've had a ton of shots at quarterback, and you just keep breaking them. At the end of the day, you got to look at yourself and go, well, why is it that every quarterback we draft ends up being a bust? Maybe it's how you handle them. Mm -hmm. Because those good franchises can take the broken toy that nobody wanted in the draft and turn them into an all-pro. And that's why I look at some of these going into this year. It's the Justin Fields thing. But could you... Do you have an example of that? Like like who is the quarterback to you that serves that example the best? The right guy, now? N- yeah, or, Jones. or recently. Mac Jones. I'm telling you right now it's gonna work in New England. It wouldn't have worked practically. No, no, no. no. Else. What I'm saying is a quarterback that got drafted by a bad franchise that you think could have been a superstar had he ended up with Green Bay or Pittsburgh or whoever. Uh how far back you want me to go? You want me to go recent or you want me to go back in the day? Give us some recent ones. Hmm. you're going to laugh when I say this, Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones is a guy that I think has raw talent. He was asked to do entirely too much, entirely too early, and it broke him. And now you've put all these weapons around him. It's just like Saquon Barkley. He hits the field today. And you're like, look, Saquon's off off the pup list. I don't care. I don't care. Because it's too easy to scheme against them. He's won recently. Dwayne Haskins is one. You think it's going to work now that he's in Pittsburgh? It's not that I think it's going to work. It's that I think he had talent. I am not a big proponent of trying to force a quarterback to be something they're not early. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of those guys that you could tell me right now, halfway through his first training camp, getting ready to play his first preseason game, you could tell me this is going to go just splendidly, or it's going to be an absolute disaster. I'd believe either one. Yeah, I never doubted the arm talent in him. My problem is I think he's going to be asked to save this franchise off the jump. He's not going to do that. And the Bears are a middle-of-the-road franchise in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But you have a win-now coach with a developmental quarterback. Does not work. 100% does not work. And there's a reason that you see this instability and all of it. It's just like Trevor Lawrence. I said on draft night, this is the most can't-miss prospect in the world. Mm -hmm. most can't miss prospect i've ever evaluated at any position and him going to jacksonville i'm looking at it going you know what i could see a path where you screw this up andrew luck was can't miss what would they do no offensive line revolving door of play callers and he kept getting hurt Mm -hmm. and by and he was out of the league by the time he was 30 years old by the way can we stop with the he's coming back thing I've been. I've had that tweeted at me enough times. It's not gonna happen. Let me just shut that down right now. It's not gonna happen. Have we even heard anything from him, or is he still living in the cabin in the woods? Yeah, he's he's out there. I think he's living in Dexter's old house now that Dexter moved to Montana. Or yeah, Dexter the Dexter. That's the serial killer guy. The the HBO show. Oh, okay. It's coming back. Never watched it. It's coming back. Wait a minute. No, you you never watched that. What is the matter with you? It's never, never got into it. You watch Space Bears, but you won't watch <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> you are maddeningly inconsistent. I if I've never told you was, that, one of those shows I never got into. Oh, it's tremendous. Uh, it, it was, it was on HBO in poorer days where I didn't have access to HBO. But. You have Netflix now, right? I do, but it's one of those things that, like, I, I think I started watching the first episode and then I fell asleep and went, nah, never go back to it. Wait a minute. You're telling me you can watch baseball and the first episode of Dexter didn't rope you in? Mm. <sighs> Serenity now. <laughs> Serenity now. <laughs> it's okay. We can, we can differ on the things that we like. It's, it's probably one of those shows that I will watch at some point. But, you know, I I think I started watching Dexter while I was trying to watch uh Game of Thrones and You'll watch Game, Game of, Thrones of Thrones and not out. uh Nope. Out. You've never even seen it. I my wife watched I've been in the same room when it was on, and I Nope. I, I don't need a full breakdown to go werewolves and flying dragons. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's all I needed werewolves? to see. As furry creatures. I don't know. It was a, there was a bunch. Oh, of, you're talking about the dire wolves. You're talking about the, the giant wolves. Yeah. Hyena, this coyote, <laughs> dog. Dog, dog, dog. Dog, dog, dog. They're all dogs. You can call them whatever you want to. <laughs> They're all dogs. The sports tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. Yeah. Speaking of baseball, uh, here's here's a little baseball story for you. So uh, everybody went crazy last night on social media after the story came out that apparently there was a fan at the Colorado Rockies-Miami Marlins game screaming out the N-word in the middle of the game. Lewis Brinson was up to the plate for the Miami Marlins, and they thought that there was somebody screaming this obscenity. But now, after they've done an investigation, the Colorado Rockies have actually come out and said, "No, he that wasn't the case." That see where the microphones are in the stadium. They're up at the at the top at the top of the upper deck, and people had started to make their way down in the stadium because there was going to be a concert after the game last night. By the way, it was I thought it was very hilarious that this story came out and they mentioned at the end of it, "It's Faith Day." At the Colorado Rockies game? Of course. Of course it is. But then, I'm glad to find out that, no, it was not a uh, racial slur that was being yelled out. They have now determined that the guy was yelling after the mascot, whose name is Dinger. Dinger. Not that other word. We don't ever say that word. And I'm thankful that, for once, we have a story that has been debunked quickly. That Because whenever I see stories like this... I automatically think, God, there are those people around uh, among us. I just want it to be stated that baseball is the only sport, especially with, I don't know, the Colorado Rockies, where there are so few people in the stands that you can hear one (laughs) one person individually yelling something. You can can get a sold-out crowd, and if that guy's right next to the microphone, your whole broadcast is toast. Just completely toast. It's weird. That never happens in the NFL. Mm, Never happens. Yeah. No, never yeah. happens. Name me the last story. I, no, see, I, I see your, I see your I was trying starting. to think. I was trying to think if I've ever been watching an NFL game and gone, yeah, that guy's too close to the microphones. Uh, no, no, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, you'll catch an annoying clapper yeah. or a really annoying yell every once in a while. Yeah. Nobody's independent voice or the horn guy who there's, there's generally one every now and then at sporting events that somehow sneaks in one of those giant plastic horns. See, I always get stuck next to the guy that claps at weird times. Yeah. Like we're in the middle of a timeout, and he's just, yeah! (laughs) I always wind up next to that guy for some reason. It's like I got into a conversation with somebody one day about uh, McCormick Field. We were talking about going to Asheville Tourist Games as a kid and all the things that we remember. And the person brought up to me, there always used to be this one lady that sat at the top of the stadium and she had one of those giant plastic horns and just incessantly blew it over and over and over again and I got a great kick out of that because her name was Kathy and she had she was great friends with my grandmother and we just knew like going into the stadium if you heard the horn up oh, Kathy's here today But I love that that's one of the things that stuck out most in many people's childhoods about McCormick Field was the annoying horn at the top of the section. I never thought I would tell a Major League Baseball story in this segment, but I'm going to. Good for you. Major League Baseball and Barstool Sports have had significant negotiations about having national midweek games on the site's platform, the New York Post has learned. The discussions are what Barstool founder Dave Portnoy was referring to last week when he mentioned his company has had talks with major leagues. Basically what this is, is that the major league deal with ESPN has kind of, it's not fallen apart. It's mm-hmm. just been completely modified. So now they have midweek games that don't have anywhere to go. Turner is moving theirs from, what is it, from Sunday to Tuesday or something like that? Because Turner did mid-afternoon games on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not doing that anymore. So now you have all this inventory, and Dave Portnoy basically went, we'll take it. Yeah. But the thought is that it will be a focused on in-game gambling kind of telecast, which I am all the way here for. I I mean, what is this, like uh, uh, 20 bucks, he hits a double right here? No, that's not how (laughs) in-game... Baseball, there's more gambling on it in-game than there is before the game. Because the line is always one and a half. Mm -hmm. Every baseball game you've ever seen, the line was one and a half. So as the game goes on, the line actually modifies and it becomes fun to lay wagers on. It's also fun when a team's down 14 to nothing in the, what was it, third inning? That happened to somebody over the weekend. Somebody was down just aggressively mm-hmm. in might have checked the lines on that. That's always fun for me to throw a couple of the balloons at. Oh, they're down 14 with well, the lines now 12 and a half. If they can score at all, I believe they will make that up. There you go. I had no idea. in game betting during baseball is, uh, is popular. I've never understood people that bet them before the game. I do not get that in the least. To me, that's more it's just of a, a skill that I don't have. Yeah, to me, it's more of a set it and forget it kind of a thing. What betting on baseball before the game? I mean, you got spreads there. All you got to do is look who's the favorite, minus one and a half. Okay, cover or not. And this is why the gambling on this show is handled by this guy. Uh huh. I will. I will be doing live things up into football games. Huh. Oh, don't even – if you call me between 1 and 4 o'clock on a football Sunday, there's no shot. of answering. I I don't have the capacity to be able to follow things like that. What's fun is when you have seven slips and there's only one way that they all hit. Right. I did that in a college game last year. The the scoring was so ridiculous that every time somebody scored, the line would move by five points. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't remember. That was a Liberty game. I just can't. I, just, I think it was with <laughs> Virginia was. Tech, and it was like if Liberty wins by three, I hit them all. Anything else happens, and it may or may not be a good day for me. And they won by three. That's all I remember you. was like that's the only way that could have gone, and me ended happy. Good for you. I'd, I I mean I can't I can't imagine how successful this will be. How much money is wagered on? Major League Baseball and will. It's the only thing that can save the sport. And okay. I firmly mean that. Gambling is the only thing that can it's save baseball. Thing. I'll be honest with you. I think Barstool, in, and I don't think Barstool can do it by themselves, because there are enough people that, you know, I like Dave Portnoy. I watch the one-bite thing every day, it seems like. His little pizza challenge. Oh, yeah. I want to do that with chicken wings. Badly. Like, really badly. Because I absolutely love spicy chicken wings. Mm-hmm. So if you got a place that, that's a real good start for that, I'm all the way in. I will I will totally rip off his idea. Yeah, with a different food, and mine won't be on how tasty it is. It'll be uh, did it singe my eyebrows off because that's what I wanted. Oh, I gross. wanted it to be so hot that I hated myself for six hours. That's gross. Why? Oh, I love spicy food. And there's no wonder you have gastro issues. Well, I, I right? mean, I have an ulcer the size of the top of a Yeti cup. So you know that's. <laughs> I, I think these two things might have something to do with each other. Yeah, I mean, when your when your doctor tells you uh, your your stomach is basically a volcano right now, my doctor told me to stop drinking 14 years ago, and I went, <clears throat> "Nope, that's not gonna happen." Uh, I'm gonna need you to audible that diagnosis, Doc. <laughs> I'm still just a young man, yeah. and I don't want to. So, yeah. But now, but talking about baseball with yeah, Barstool, that yeah. is one thing that can save their broadcast. Because you got people like me, I flat out don't care. Mm -hmm. Just straight up. I'm as big a sports fan as there is in the world. And you tell me that you're, you're asking me to go nine innings in a Rockies Giants game. Sorry, I'm out. Now, if you tell me you've got somebody that's throwing something funny in the commentary and the line is running at the bottom of the ticker and I can live do things, you know, pitching changes happen and it moves the line. Yeah, I could be in for that. Mm-hmm. And it's an access to the younger demographic which baseball is horrible with.-hmm Under 45, baseball's numbers are tragically low, right? I like the idea when it came up a couple of years ago of doing a sports talk show play- by play, of it could be you and I doing our normal sports show, and then just every now and then throwing in oh, that's a we get two men on bottom of the seventh inning. And then go back to talking about what you were going to talk about. The, I mean, there's a the merit sports to that. talk show format for a play-by-play of a baseball game. Just because it is, is. I mean, it gets droll. I've always said if there was any sport that should have a red zone channel, mm-hmm. it's Major League Baseball. And they have one. Oh, I didn't even know ESPN's that. ESPN's got one. You would think. There's a big ESPN logo on the wall that I would know that, but I didn't. I think we talked about this when they launched it last year. I only listened to like then it was... 14% of what you say. So, <laughs> well, I know that I know that to be true. What's real funny um, is when you ask me a question and I 100% didn't hear it. Oh, yeah. And then I have to restate it. It's, it's always wonderful for the listener. Oh, yeah. Cause I just look at him and go seven. Is that an answer? Is is that a thing? It's a shame when the people driving in their cars are listening more intently to the words that are coming out of my mouth than you are. And you're directly in front of me. Across the desk. It's just, no. Nah. Barstool Sports, Major League Baseball, doing games, focusing on in-game live betting. By the way, I think this is the path for every sport not called the NFL. The ironic thing is, the one sport that's embraced this is the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this today. The Arizona Cardinals will be the first team that has a sports book in their stadium. I did see that earlier. One of the most mind-boggling parts of that is, there is a team in Vegas, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't do it first. Arizona did. This is too many to choose from. What do you mean, too many to choose there's, from? There's too many casinos to choose from. Uh, there can't. should still be one in Vegas. And I guarantee you, Mark Davis went. Wait. How did we miss that? We have all these things. How did we miss that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, at that point, you get into a bidding war with all the other casinos to see who's going to have it in there. Oh, in Vegas? Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't be that alluring. But I guarantee you, they have a partner of some kind. Mm-hmm. DraftKings would be the one that is in my head going, you don't have much of a presence in Vegas, and you could put one there, and it would make all the sense in the world. But there again, as the Las Vegas Raiders, you would cut yourself out on other business, right? Would you not want to have partnerships with all of the casinos that you could possibly get? Not exactly how that works. Okay. I mean, you're going to have one in the stadium. You will not have multiple. Oh, I get that. But what I'm saying is you have other opportunities in the town with all of the other casinos to do partnership deals. Oh, I mean, you could still do those. You just have one official deal. And that's going to happen. I guess what I'm saying is I feel like that would be an impediment to having the other it's deals not. with the it's horseshoe not. and whoever. It, it's not. Okay. Uh, mainly because the same four entities own every last one of those casinos. So it's <laughs> this, this <is> true. <laughs> okay. We go here or here. Right. We got two choices. The Caesars comes. To mind. Caesars. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest one. Yeah. It's got Harrah's and the horseshoe mm-hmm. and Bally's. Bally's. All of that. Okay. Could be interesting. Could be an interesting new take on uh, on baseball play-by-play. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. That's what, that is what is to sustain the NFL. At this point, more people play fantasy football than have a rooting allegiance to a team. Mm-hmm. They've done polls on that for years. The, the vast majority, and I shouldn't say vast, but the majority of casual NFL fans care more about their fantasy team than they care about any one team or any one player. Yes. I mean, speaking as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, most seasons where I care more about my fantasy teams than I do about anybody, that's why I have such an eclectic jersey uh, collection. Yeah, I, I'm a 30-year Jets fan. Why do you think I'm so good at fantasy football? There's been a lot of years where we're sitting at one and five, and I'm like, well, my team's six and oh, so I don't really care. <laughs> it's the one chance that you have to make something positive come out of the season. Oh, yeah. I if mean, and that's right. one of the things that's what I've always said about the NBA with the tip rule. I, I know, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the show before, but I know I've said it to you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that drives me absolutely insane about the NBA, every one of their games tip off 11 minutes after the tip time. Well, when you do fantasy things, the lineup locks at 7 o'clock. At 7.05, Anthony, Anthony Davis decides his eyebrow hurts, and now he's not going to play. hmm You have to fix that. Once you fix that, then people will be more likely to do the fantasy things in your sport. It's the reason the NFL has 90 minutes. you got to declare inactive 90 minutes before kickoff. Right. It's not a competitive disadvantage thing. The NFL did that for gamblers. They'll never admit that, but it's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't, people like me would pull our hair out in clumps. All right. Before uh, we got into just a bit outside, we were talking about bad franchises in the NFL. Um, just how bad are the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, Urban Meyer did it again. He said something dumb again today, where he said they're not ready to commit to Trevor Lawrence being their starting quarterback because they still have one big question, or Urban still has one big question about Trevor Lawrence. He's got talent, but can he win? Oh Because I want winners. I want winners like that's, Tim Tobo. That's right. That's I why want I winners and, like Tim Tebow. That's why I went out and signed Tim Tebow, because I know he's a winner, and no matter what. Ugh. Said he hadn't made the decision yet on whether or not Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback of the future, because we haven't determined if we think he can win or not. This is not fair to these players either to say that this is a four-year plan of bringing up a rookie quarterback and all of that to be successful. We have a one-year plan, and we are going to win this year. (laughs) Good luck with that, Urban. I I, I can't even unpack how stupid what you just said to me is. Mm -hmm. You took a guy number one overall, and your coach just came up and said, we don't know if he's a winner yet. Uh well, you know what that statement told me? You're not, yeah, I am officially to the point with Urban Meyer. I will bet my house this is a failure. Mm-hmm. There have been nine thousand red flags with this. I mean it's a joke. yeah, you have become a joke. I never thought a franchise would pass the Cleveland Browns as being the biggest travesty in all of professional sports, and yet here we are. And it took less than six months. He told NFL media's Judy Batista, quote, what makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time is that he finds ways to win. Whether he's a Buccaneer or whether he's a New England Patriots, uh, he finds a way to win. I've had quarterbacks like that. They win. And I don't know if we're going to be able to tell in a year. Trevor Lawrence throws a nice ball, and that makes him one of about 60 to 70 quarterbacks. But does he win games? That's the question. <laughs> so, Trevor Lawrence, your number one golden boy quarterback has now been just whittled down to, yeah, he's one of a it's handful of guys. Guy. We might play him. Who's yeah. got great hair and a belt buckle? Maybe we'll play yeah. him. Well, there's dozens of guys in the NFL that can throw the ball. Uh, I mean, it's. It, I, I'll be honest with you. If I was a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, I don't know that I could do it. Oh, I'd be. With everything you've been through, and now you're listening to this nonsense, which is absolutely nonsensical. Yes. I mean, you could have told me that was said by some random person outside of a stadium, and I would have gone, well, that person's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was said by our head coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he should not be your head coach. I don't care who he is. I don't care what he did in college. I do not care in the least. Right. If that's really how he feels, Tony and Shad Khan should get him into an office today and go, We need to find a way for this to not be a thing anymore, because you are a stark raving crazy person. Mm -hmm. But it's because he's he's won at every level, and he's been a college. You know, he's been the great one of the greatest college coaches of all time. That he feels like this is you know I'm I'm setting the culture. Yep, we do this in college. We do this all the time with recruits. And when I was at Ohio State, when I was at Florida. We had five star quarterbacks every year, and we just had to find the right one. That's how the NFL works, right? There's okay. one very specific reason that that's not why it works, and there's a lineage of this not working. I and mean, it's it's happened repeatedly. I'll tell you what that is after the break. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Leonard Skinner, going to be a headline in the Concert for Legends tonight, the closure, the official closure. Of all of the Hall of Fame festivities that have been going on up in Canton, Ohio, you got Jimmy Allen, who was just at Silverado's this past Friday night. Um, great show, by the way. I've seen all the clips. I didn't get out there myself. Not a, not a huge country music guy, but Jimmy Allen. I heard it was a great show out at Silverado's. If you uh, you know want to see any other shows of the 2021 Outdoor Concert Series, just check them out at Silverado's wnc.com. Jimmy Allen opens up for Brad Paisley, and then Leonard Skinner takes the stage to close things out as the uh, Canton festivities wrap up for the weekend. Now, Urban Meyer's an idiot. Uh, yes. Uh, Everything he has said has been absolutely (laughs) dumbfoundingly dumb. And and I'm going to be honest with you, I've seen this story before. I've read this book twice. Uh, Chip Kelly and Jim Harbaugh. I have already read this. You think you're smarter than everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. Now their NFL careers went completely different. And guess what? Neither one of them will ever get another opportunity for one very simple reason. When you think you're smarter than everybody, it doesn't work in the NFL. I'll be honest with you. It's coming back to bite Bill Belichick right now, and he probably is smarter than everybody in the league. True. Jim Harbaugh was forty-four and nineteen in the in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We'll never get another shot. You don't think so, teams have, have sniffed do. around? Why? Why? We don't. We don't want to deal with the headache. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think Jim Harbaugh is light years better NFL coach than Urban Meyer will ever think of being. Mm-hmm. I would agree with because that because he ran a pro style offense. Everything fit the NFL. Urban Meyer doesn't. Urban Meyer to me is way more Chip Kelly than any other. And every passing day, he seems to be more and more so. Now they're talking about trading C.J. Henderson, who was their first round pick last year, because well, he just he doesn't fit what we do. But Tim Tebow does. Mm -hmm. Okay, then that's literally that one statement is everything I need to know. Yeah, the number nine pick in the draft last year is on the block. After eight games, he's only played eight games with him. Spent last, spent half a last season hurt. The games that he did appear in, I mean, he had some flashes on certain plays, but it wasn't anything to send you over the moon. He's and, a very he's a talented kid. I liked him coming to the draft last year, I, and I'm telling you, if they're serious about trading him, he won't be on the team at the end of the week mm-hmm. because there are a litany of NFL teams that would love to have him. Absolutely, and guess who else did this exact same thing? Who's that? Chip Kelly. He gutted the Philadelphia Eagles roster. Mm-hmm. Came in in twenty thirteen and just, LeSean McCoy. Not my kind of player. Oh, okay, that's fine. Bye. Go in Super Bowls. I won't. I, I I won't do that because I outsmart myself at every turn. Right, and and it's very. It's there's a very simple reason this happens in college football. You pick the play. the The players pick you. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, you pick the players. And with guys like Urban Meyer, they have this – he's always gotten practically any player he wanted. Urban Meyer, whether it was at Florida, Ohio State, even to a smaller degree at Utah. Mm -hmm. He could go into practically any home in America and get the kid he wants. Now, not so much. You had 100-man-plus rosters at Florida and Ohio State. You don't have that here. You got 53 guys. Yep. And you're, you're this fun little, oh, we, every blocking drill is competition. And we treat it like Sparta where my thumb goes up or my thumb. You said, <laughs> you said, hear how stupid that sounds. There's Winner, a reason. Tim there's a reason. Every one of these guys comes into the NFL and busts. You got to watch it firsthand with Greg Ciano. Yep Yeah. Yeah. Because bad. they all think there's, you were so smart and you had this ability to procure players and they all just fit your scheme. In the NFL, the players you have dictate your scheme. If you are so beholden to doing things your way, you're going to be out of the league in very short order. Mm -hmm. And I could give you 25 examples of this. So why is it so different for Matt Rule? Honestly, because Matt Rule cut this team in half. Matt Rule deals with the defense and the personnel. Mm -hmm. Joe Brady deals with the offense. Joe Brady says, hey, go get me guys like that. And that's what he did. Went and got, you know, and look at the draft picks. Tommy yeah. Trimble, guy he took in the fourth round. That's a guy I thought was going to play fullback. But for whatever reason, Joe Brady went, that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that somebody like Joe Brady will be a good coach in the NFL and somebody like Zach Taylor is not. Because you just keep trying to put pieces in your system and that's what you're trying to fill. That's not how this league works. Think about how many different defensive schematics you've seen out of Bill Belichick. Why? Because that's the players he had. Mm hmm. Guys like Urban Meyer come in and go, my system works, it worked at Ohio State, I want a couple of rings, no big deal. Well, here's the thing. Every team is borderline the exact same talented in the NFL. It's all about how you adjust an in-game, and Urban Meyer can't do that. He's shown it. I don't need to see him coach a game to know he can't do it. Mm-hmm. Because everything he said all offseason says it's my way or the highway. Cool. Highway, soon enough. Yep. It's the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400 Sports Center coming up. This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. I'm Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green is alongside here on ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, live or on demand. This hour of the program is always brought to you by Wicked Weed Brewing. Check out our friends at WickedWeedBrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing, drink different. College football season just around the corner as we are less than a month away. September the 4th is the day that I have my eyes set on. It's going to be that big showdown at Bank of America Stadium between the Clemson Tigers and the Georgia Bulldogs. I've already started the trash talk with my neighbor across the street. They got their big Clemson flags outside and Going to the mailbox yesterday, I was like, "You ready to get your tail kicked on uh, on September the fourth? Let's uh, <laughs> let's get this thing started." I don't yeah. know that I would be throwing those barbs just yet. Hey, uh, you know what? As a Georgia fan, you go into every season expecting we're going to be great, and then you got to come back down to earth because you're going to lose a game that you're not supposed to. There was an article on ESPN today about the most uh what was it? The most Underachieving, underachieving programs teams. in college football. Yeah. Underachieving programs in college football. And it's Georgia by a mile, and I don't think it's even close. Yeah, they were number one and Texas that, was two. Well, yep. And it wasn't all <laughs> that close. Was I right? Texas was number two? Uh yeah, they were. Nice. This seems like a pretty easy category. But He's, that 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 story got us thinking about what schools in college football are going to be markedly better this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And there's one that just screams to me, and I'm I am all over this team for 2021. Okay, who is it? They're coached by my favorite coach in all, co- in all of college football, Jamie Chadwell. Go Tigers! Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Ed Orgeron. Last year was very. Rough. Bad. Yeah, that was, I was gonna, it. Wasn't I was gonna, bad. I was going to be nice. Say it was a rough season last year. You had a lot of opt outs with the, with LSU, namely, you know, Jamar Chase, the headliner of all of that group. Um, I mean, they were five and five and last li- year. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't live up to, to the standards that they had set the year before coming off the national championship with Joe Burrow. You can, you can understand why they took a step back last year. Uh, but I think even last year it went, more horribly than anybody could have ever expected. I mean, you had the quarterback controversy all season long. I mean, you, oh, that's you, not Miles a thing Brennan now. got hurt. Yeah, now there, is, Miles, there is no quarterback controversy yeah, now. Unfortunately for Miles Brennan, he has had a severe arm injury. He will not be playing this year for LSU, which is good news for our good friend Brad Johnson and his son Max, who is now going to be the starter for the LSU Tigers. And this Max year. has the higher ceiling to me. Yeah, I think they so. have tremendous weapons. There's no doubt. This is a school that recruits at that Alabama-Clemson-Georgia tier. Mm-hmm. Last year was an aberration. I, I, I've said on this show multiple times there were things happening behind the scenes that we've heard about. How much of it is true, I don't know, but Ed Orgeron lost that team last year. There were problems with the staff. There were problems with certain players. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the The coaching issues are gone. Player issues are gone. This is a super talented team. Yeah. And let me ask you a fun little question: They have to go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Name me the other. Name me the most difficult road game on this schedule other than Alabama. On LSU schedule, Mm -hmm. Uh, Auburn. It's Ole Miss. That's the only. Their other road games are at Kentucky, Mississippi State, and UCLA. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You get Florida and in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. You get Texas A and M in Baton Rouge. And you get Auburn in Baton Rouge. Okay, I think this team could very easily go eleven and one, and be in contention for the playoff. I don't think they're going to make it. I think that Alabama loss. I mean, because Alabama is ridiculous again. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that was five and five last year. They were not particularly good. There was a lot of instability, and I just don't think that's going to happen again. I think having and look, I never want anybody to get hurt anything like that. And I feel very bad for Miles Brennan going into this year gets hurt. The fact that we unequivocally know who the quarterback is. Because Ed Orgeron had spent the entire offseason going, well, we can win with either one. Yes. That's not good. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's, that philosophy has lived in college football forever. Mm-hmm. Now it's Max's team. They've got tremendous talent. And I'm going to be honest with you, I could see a path they don't lose a game other than Alabama. I think they're better than Florida. I think that they're markedly better than Auburn. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it's a lot of. I mean, they don't play Georgia, so you you get a lot of you get a lot of favors done by the schedule, right? They to me will be the most improved team in college football in twenty twenty one. It's going to be some very tough home games, though,
1: with well, Texas A
0: and M and Florida, and I mean, those are going to be hard. It's not like these are just going to be walkover teams. You It'll get Jimbo Fisher, I get Go Tigers. I'll go LSU, really, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Is I that's would. just not your Florida State uh, shining through? I didn't say it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I was getting ready to say. Come on. Well, here's I mean, the thing. Jo- Jimbo Fisher has always had a propensity to get outcoached by good coaches. Mm-hmm. I like him, and he's a good recruiter. He lets a lot of the nonsense get to him. We'll do most uh, teams that will regress the most tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not going to say Texas A&M's on that list not gonna say they're not on that list either Ooh, I mean, they I, lost a lot yeah but i mean the, the all of the projections are still that they're going to be one of those top six seven teams in the country- mm-hmm. just like they were last year uh yeah'm I'm, I'm gonna disagree for the square okay I will disagree for the square i'm also looking at their schedule which i'm like you know you had some favors done but at the end of the day i don't i don't see it I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I just don't think they're going to be top eight in, in college football. Good. You don't think they're they're going to be just outside the playoff like they were this past year? No, because I could I, I see them lose. There's going to be one of these games, and there's two of them that are just screaming at me early in the season that you slip up, and the I'm not going to say the wheels come off. I'm not saying the team's going to go six and six. I just think they're going to be closer to nine and three. Yeah. And be average. Okay. I, I have, I'll have. put it this way. I have no fear of LSU playing in College Station. I, I don't care. Oh, it's, and actually, that one's in Baton Rouge now that I think about it. All right. So tell us, uh, who's another team that you expect to take a leap this year? <sighs> I don't, I don't want to say two and three because I don't like giving this conference any form of credit. And they have two and three. USC. No. Everybody's gonna say USC. I got news for you. If you're waiting on USC, you ain't gonna hear it out of me. Uh as long as Clay Hilton is your coach, I'm going to keep uh under. Under. <laughs> I think their win l I think their win futures are like nine and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna stay away from that aggressively. Now the two I'm talking about, the first one's Wisconsin. Wisconsin went through some COVID problems last year. Graham Mertz, you know, he lost part of the season, Mm -hmm. but he had been pretty, before that happened, he was pretty good. He was killer. I mean, through the first couple of weeks of the season, we were talking about, could this be, could it be a dark horse for the Heisman? Yeah, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of competition on that schedule. So, you know, he had a temporary expectation. I don't think he's a Heisman candidate by any stretch. However, I will say that he's got Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and Jake Ferguson, their tight end. That's probably like top eight best Trio of weapons in college football. And it's the Big Ten. I mean, be really honest. How many teams in the Big Ten legitimately scare you? Ohio State. And there's another one that should worry you a little bit that's going to be the next team on this list. Penn State? Yeah. Other than that, there's just not a lot there's not a lot there. That I'm overly worried about. Indiana? You're not worried about Indiana with Michael Penix coming back from injury? They're fine. They're not in the same weight class as Penn State and, and, uh, Wisconsin. Okay. I don't think anybody really expects them to be, but. You would be surprised. They were pretty good last year. Oh, and and then they're still going to be fine. They're going to be a bowl eligible team. Right. But I mean, last year, remember, it was, it was Indiana that we were having the discussion about Ohio State missing that last game and whether or not Indiana should be. You know, going, uh, being the Big Ten champion, going to the playoff, all that kind of stuff. Well, here's the thing: name me every team in the Big Ten that you think on their best day could beat Wisconsin. Ohio State, don't play them. Uh, Penn State, play them in Wisconsin first week of the season, and I get a and I get a vet quarterback against your quarterback that struggled mightily last year. Hot, Uh, and then I'd say. You were about to say Michigan, but I'm not going to. Also in Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. every game they play that they play against a team that they could lose, it's at home. Mm -hmm. Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan. I'll throw Iowa in there just for posterity's sake. Their road games are Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, and Rutgers. I'll say it for you. Woof! Yeah, 4-0. that is three of the four worst teams of the Big Ten, and that's what you have to go play. I don't see losable games on the schedule, mm-hmm. and I like a lot of what they have. I like Paul Christ I think Paul Christ is a really smart coach that nobody ever talks about. Mm-hmm. That's another one that if I was, you know, if I was, if I was calling one of those, one of those book things, yeah. what's your number on Wisconsin? Because if it's not ten and a half, I'm probably in. Really. Secret time, I see a path where Wisconsin makes the playoff and Ohio State doesn't. Really, Ohio State's schedule is gross. Tough schedule. I'm not gonna say it's tough. I just don't necessarily like the way it lays out. Okay, I mean Ohio State is always the given. They're the given in the Big Ten. You know they're going to be up at the top. They're they're always fighting over which five star quarterback they're going to have. Well, here's all right. Let me explain what it is that I'm what I what I was trying to say there. All right, so they start the season at Minnesota. It's outside in September. I don't think that's going to be that chaotic. Then you have to play Oregon at home. That's a schematic issue. Oregon is insanely fast. So is Ohio State. But it's just it's different. It's just different. And then you go through this stretch from the beginning of October to the end of the year. You have to play Michigan. The last game of the year, you play Michigan. It's on the road. Mm -hmm. It's going to be four degrees I still think you win. I could just say, I, Ohio State's one of those teams I see getting got by teams they shouldn't. Because they've they've got nine quarterbacks that have virtually no starting experience. And I'm going to be honest, I could see a path where Quinn yours, is the starter on this team. It's a true freshman, I mean, everybody thinks it's going to be C.J. Stroud, and I kind of do too, but I could see a path that's not. Mm-hmm. If you told me Wisconsin won the Big Ten this year, I'm not going to be shocked. Wouldn't shock me that much. Okay. All right, James Franklin had a hell of a time at Penn State last year. And and this is one that i got to explain. It's it's not that I think they're going to be – I mean, I don't necessarily think Penn State's going to be nationally relevant. Okay. I just think they're going to be better. They were terrible last year. So not a top-10 team, but they'll definitely be a top-25 team all season. And I think they're back into the top-25 team. Yeah. They could not score last year to save their lives. Sean Clifford was hit a full at times but the schedule is pretty favorable that's a team that i think a lot of people are going to look at oh they lost micah parsons they lost all these elements off this team and it wasn't all that good in the first place yeah but the schedule's not that daunting mm-hmm. and that, for me this is an improvement over where they were to where they will be uh, like i said i don't think they have any shot at being nationally relevant okay but I don't think you're going to see grand improvement from that many teams. I mean, I'm all the way in on Wisconsin. I'm mm-hmm. all the way in on LSU. Other than that, you know, USC is like you said is a team that gets thrown in these lists all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. I mean, senior year of Keaton Slovis. What do they have fine. outside of that? And he's fine. And, and you know they got Brew McCoy and Drake London. I think the offense is going to be fine. The problem is I believe they get into a lot of trap meets, and I'm just not sure that you're cut out for that. Because one of the things that I've always said about teams that score a lot of points like that, it it gets to a point where it's whose coach is better. Mm-hmm. Because we get into these tight late-game situations, and sometimes it's who gets the ball last. Well, I like Oregon better. I like Utah better. I like, I like several teams better than USC. So they're not on this list for me. But there is a pack. Tw- there is a pack twelve team on this. Team. Oregon, no, no, Mm-mm. Arizona State. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, how did I know you were going to bring the Jets into this somehow? That's there's nothing old, about the Jets. Old Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. There's been a lot of. There's been a lot of drama around this program, mm-hmm. and you know I wasn't trying to bring the Jets into it. But since you mentioned that. I I do remember Herman Edwards pretty well. Yeah. And this is a guy that always got people to just run through a wall for him. And I struggle to believe he's not going to be able to do that in college. By the way, probably has the best quarterback in this conference. Yeah, above Keaton Slovis. Jaden Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like him a lot. He's a kid that if he had weapons that were Keaton Slovis level, I think we'd already be talking about him. Okay. He doesn't, and we don't. But you look at the way the schedule lays out, they start Southern Utah, UNLV, BYU, Colorado, UCLA, Stanford. Name me one good team that I just said. There ain't one. Okay. Then you go to Utah. That's less than ideal. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. You also have eight day layoff because you play Stanford on Friday. So you got an extra day that week. They don't. Then you go Washington state, you get USC at home you got to at Washington. Other than that, I mean, there's, to me, there are three losable games on the entire schedule. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to lose one of them. I think they will beat USC at home. They should have beat them last year. And Jaden Daniels just had a mental boo-boo mm-hmm. that cost them a game. Okay. But they dominated that game for 55 minutes and wound up losing. All right. Any other big risers for 2021 in the college football ranks? I have one, but you're not going to like it. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna call me names, and I'm not going to be happy about that. <laughs> okay, it's Florida State. It's Florida, it's, oh, it's Florida State. It's Florida no. State. Homer. It's Florida State. They smoked Carolina last year, uh-huh. who was a markedly better team. Yep. I'm just saying, there's a lot of they. I don't, and I don't know the stat to be. I can't remember exactly how the stat lays out. They added. Either as many or more starters off Power 5 schools through the transfer portal than any team in Power 5 college football. Really? Yes. And a slew of them came from South Carolina. As soon as Will Muschamp got fired, that became the farm system for Florida State. Because I think we have three starters. Three starters are guys that will play significant roles that came from uh, South Carolina. Okay. There's just a lot of there's a lot of guys that have D1, high-end D1 college experience. And let's be really honest. How many? It's the same thing I said with the Big Ten. How many teams in the ACC really scare you? I mean, it's Clemson, Carolina, and Miami. Then, I mean, put Louisville in there. Oh, I don't. I don't put Louisville in there at all. Really? Mm-mm. I don't. Hmm. I think they're fine. Their defense is bad. Yeah, but their offense is so dynamic. They, they can pretty much outscore anybody. I mean, was, was that the Miami game last year? With De'Eric King and, uh, oh, what's his name, the quarterback, Malik Cunningham Cunningham. at Louisville just putting on a show. Well, here's my thing with Florida State, and you'll notice that a lot of the teams that I'm high on have a lot of their toughest games at home. Mm -hmm. Conversely, the teams that we're going to talk about in this segment tomorrow, they have a lot of their toughest games on the road. Right. Florida State plays, I would say, four teams that are legitimately better than them legitimately no doubt better than them. It's Notre Dame, Carolina, Clemson, Miami, and Florida. That's five. Okay. Three of those five are at home. And they're going to sneak one of those. I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. There's a little part of me that thinks it's Notre Dame to start the year. Under the lights, the, I'm just telling you, there's so much momentum in Florida State right now. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, that's what if they were to beat Notre Dame, that's a Monday night, high-profile ABC game. Right. You're and asking a lot from the, uh, uh, Jack Cohn, who's mm-hmm. going to be the starter at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and it could be a very special season this year. They've got something to play for. Them. Absolutely, they, that's going to be I the mean, first game after the passing right, of Bobby Bowden. Right, this, you is, this cannot is the tell Bobby me there's season. not going to be some some fire. Right, there's going to be motivation now. I mean, when you have a historic figure like that pass away it's an extra bargaining chip that you can or a motivating chip that you can use for your football team i i get it but florida state as their big return here that you're predicting i mean
1: mckenzie milton was a heisman
0: front runner do you think when when he got hurt at central florida oh. he was a heisman front runner oh, okay i, I thought you're saying he was a heisman front runner right now no no he's not no you'll hear a lot of talk about him okay He's a very talented kid. And so he fits they finish, in the system quite nicely. Do they finish inside the top twenty-five? Yes, back in. I'd say, I think they go eight and four. I mean, because you got to look. You got to look at every every game. That's not what I said. Mm-hmm. Okay, they get NC State in Tallahassee. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Boston College, UMass, Syracuse, Louisville, Wake Forest, Jackson State. That's seven wins right there, and every game I just said is a. Oh, whoa, 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 except Boston College. Whoa. They're playing Jackson State? We play Jackson State every year. Or Jacksonville State, sorry. Oh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville State. State. I was going to say, Dion's playing the Florida no, no, State no. Seminoles? No, no, no. This is huge. State. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I the just, other Game I Cags. saw it on the screen and they'd abbreviate it. Yeah, you're playing it. the, the other Bill Game State. Yes. Yeah. All right, all right. Anybody else uh, before we take the break here? No, that's the. those are the biggest ones to me. Those are the ones that I looked at the futures number. I mean, you could convince me of Michigan just because the hate has gotten so strong on them. Mm-hmm. But it's not one that I'm – I'm not running out to get Michigan. I think it's over eight and a half. It, I'm good. I'm, I like every team I just said to cover their futures number by at least a game. All right, so recap the list for us. LSU's one. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's two, Penn State is three, Arizona State is four, Florida State's five. All right, your five teams, Jeremy Green says, will be much improved over last season. Tomorrow on this here program at 4 o'clock, we will be doing the five teams that will possibly regress from what they put out in 2020. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Here in Beer City, we take homegrown seriously. And since 2012, Wicked Weed Brewing has been pushing the boundaries of the industry. They've not only created staples like the Freak of Nature Double IPA, Lieutenant Dank, and Pernicious, but they also opened the first sour beer taproom on the East Coast. Wicked Weed has also supported our local community to the tune of $1.6 million with the Beers That Build program. Visit one of their four locations, schedule a brewery tour, a place in order for pickup or delivery. WickedWeedBrewing.com you're in the sports tank why are you smiling because i love football as we talk about college football um name image and likeness continuing to make headlines here today there was a first of its kind deal announced as we have our first professional sports team that has signed a name image and likeness deal an endorsement deal with a college athlete, Miami's De'Eric King, the quarterback, is now a Florida Panthers spokesperson. With his deal, we don't know how much money it's going to cost him, but the Florida Panthers of the NHL are going to uh, they're going to have several appearances scheduled this year with uh, De'Eric King. He's going to be showing up to some Florida Panthers games. He's going to be doing uh, digital things, social media things with the NHL team as well. Um, again, this is a, another wrinkle that I was not expecting, Jeremy, of a professional sports team getting in bed with a college athlete. Now, I kind of figured that the NFL teams wouldn't be doing this, going after college football players, but I didn't think about cross-sports pollination. It yet. makes all the sense in the world. Of course it does. The Florida Panthers are, are just outside of Miami. Let's be really honest. Who's the biggest star in Miami right now? Jimmy Butler? You can't get him. No. I mean, you don't go far down that list before you get to Derrick King. So yep, you so get Derrick. Uh, I would. I, no. two is a bigger name in Miami than. I don't know that you're right. I don't think you understand how big the U is in the city of Miami. And the mm-hmm. outliers in Dade County, that is a big deal, especially now that they're relevant. And and when I say relevant, it's not that they were terrible before; they were just they weren't nationally relevant. Right? De'Eric King is a guy with the way that Manny Diaz is recruited, that the the majority of Hurricane fans are all in on this team. So to me, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. I think it's a to be honest with you, the, De'Eric King has done a better job with this name, image, and likeness thing. He and Mackenzie Milton mm-hmm. than just about anybody. I mean, they've both handled this brilliantly. They're doing all kinds of different things. They're getting out there, and and they're helping lower level guys at the same time. Mm-hmm. This is something I I can't say that I didn't expect there to be cross promotion with different teams. I didn't necessarily expect that there would be so much unity among college athletes of mixing deals together. And you've got a high level guy like Derek King or a high level guy like Mackenzie Milton. And they bring five or six other guys with them right? that are at Central Florida or Florida Atlantic or whatever the case may be. That's where I missed this. I, My aversion to name, image, and likeness was I basically said it's going to be the death of college football. Mm-hmm. I do not come off of that. I completely agree. I, I still maintain that, that that's the case. My hope is that the good, and there's been a lot of good, there's been a lot of good that I did not in any way expect. Mm-hmm. My hope is that the what whatever the organizing body is going to be whatever it's going to look like three years from now. Right. I hope you find a way to make all of these things work. Because now there's so many moving pieces that I don't know how it works. hmm But, yeah, I mean, to me, this is, and I don't claim to be the czar of marketing, but I can tell you, if I was a marketing director for the Florida Panthers, I would go, that's probably the best bang for our buck humanly possible. Because that's a guy that will put butts in seats just because he's affiliated with us. Mm-hmm. He's also a super likable kid. (laughs) That's hard for me to say about a Miami quarterback, but, man, he's he's a likable kid. And he's a superstar. He is. He is. I mean, he is electric with the football in his hands. He did a – I don't remember who the interview was with, but I saw it about a week and a half ago. And every word that came out of his mouth – I mean, I'm just hanging on it. Like, man, I really want to not like you because you're a Miami Hurricane quarterback, and it's just bred in me to not like you. Man, I do. (laughs) Makes it hard for me to root against you. Does it make you feel weird? It kind of does. On the weird scale. There's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. Alright, time to update a story that we gave you in this segment uh just last week. River Dave, as he's now being called. This was the 81-year-old guy who was living on somebody else's land in uh, in New Hampshire for 27 years. He was living off the grid. There was no road going to his house. And the, uh, the elderly guy that owns the property wants the guy out. And remember I told you that they had him locked up since like July 15th? Well, guess what? River Dave, he's out of jail. Which is good news. The bad news is the reason they let him out of jail. They locked him up and said, look, you you can't be trespassing on this guy's property, so we're going to hold you here because you got no other place to go. They let him out on Thursday of last week because, just for some reason, his shack that's not hooked up to any power or any electric or sewer or anything like that, somehow... His shack burnt down. Weird how that happens, right? There's a there's a guy who's in this long standing dispute about living on this property, and they want him gone. They don't really know what to do with it, and just for some reason, that shack decides to just spontaneously combust and completely burn to the ground on Wednesday. Of last week, the judge then said, "Well, the chances that he's going to go back to that, uh, back to the shack, pretty limited. So we're just going to let you go." Now, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, old eighty-one-year-old man has lost his home. He's lost all of his belongings. He told the police that the only thing that he actually wanted to go back and retrieve from the ashes of the uh, of the fire was his Bible. Now, who can't get down with that? Unfortunately, they have not been able to find a Bible because everything burnt to the ground so sufficiently. Uh, so that's unfortunate. However, uh, the community has stepped up and he now has offers from at least 20 home or 20 property owners across the country from California all the way to Maine of people who say, you know what? You can come live on my property. I will let you build a shack on my property and you can live here until your dying days. So he's got choices. Well, that's a good end to that story. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that his house is burned down, and you know what? Police are investigating, and I hope I hope that if they find out that it was arson and somebody set that old man's house on fire just out of spite, they throw the book at him, whoever it is. Yours was a sad story that had a very happy ending. Yes. Mine is a sad story that has a happy ending. Okay. It's a gross happy ending, but it's... It's a happy ending. This has nothing to do with Robert Kraft, does it? No. Okay, thank you. No. Waste collection (laughs) workers in Ohio were able to reunite $25,000 in cash with the family that accidentally threw it out while helping a grandmother clean her home. Huh. Republic Services officials in Lorain County, Ohio, said a call came in last week from a family who reported an envelope containing $25,000 had accidentally been thrown in the trash just before the garbage truck came through the area. So basically what happened is that this was a an elderly woman. They were moving her into a retirement home, and they were cleaning out the home to prepare it for sale. Mm-hmm. They cleaned out the refrigerator. They cleaned out all the food. They made sure all the things went to the appropriate places. Well, after they cleaned it up, grandma said, oh, by the way, make sure that you get that envelope. There's $25,000 in cash in my freezer. What? Stop putting money in weird places. <laughs> <laughs> don't put. What are you chilling it to? So it'll be cold, hard cash. Stop doing that. Don't put money in weird places. Nobody will ever think to look yeah, there. Don't stop that. Put it in a bank. Giant we block have of banks ice. for a reason. You put it in a giant block of ice. That way, nobody can steal it. Yeah, and that's how it gets thrown away. You True. know what's never happened? I've never had Home Trust or any of the other banks that I bank through call me and go, "Hey, you know what? We we actually so our bad." We accidentally threw all your money in the garbage. (laughs) Nobody's ever done that to me. Right. So apparently they stopped the truck. Uh They called. They realized that as the truck was still servicing its route, they rerouted the truck to a recycling center. And they divvied through the truck and they found the envelope and reunited it with the family. Well, that was nice of them. Very kind. It is that's, very kind. I, I would have told him, "Sorry, I uh, we can't we can't do that kind of service of here." And then would. I would immediately go diving in the back of that truck. <laughs> Nothing you just said surprises me even a little bit. Not even a little. Bit. Oh come on! If somebody said there was so there's a there's there's a Waste Pro truck outside that's got an envelope in there, but you got to dig through it to find the twenty five thousand dollars. You telling me you're not going to do that? Uh, not when I know it's a little old woman's no. I know okay. I've been told I was a heartless human, but no, that's n- n- no, not even a little bit. <laughs> I would dig through it for the little old for for the little grandmother and give it back 100%. to Hundred percent, well, good for you. That's uh, oh yeah, that's a, that's a karma thing. That <laughs> yeah, you know you don't want that bad. You no, I, uh, I would I would never do that. Plus, for the age. feeling, yeah, it's nice to do nice things for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now, unclaimed, you can have it if you find it. Are you doing it? Are you digging through that trash truck to find that envelope of twenty five thousand dollars in it? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Just checking. I know you're squeamish about some things. Uh, I'm hundred percent squeamish. I'm also I, I also love money. Uh-huh. I would crawl across broken glass on my hands and knees if you told me there was twenty five thousand dollars on the other end <laughs> okay. of that. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you weren't completely insane. No. I like money a lot. Because I mean, anything short of you know, walking over a bed of knives—I probably yeah, that doesn't would go sound after pleasant. I'd no, probably still do it though. I like no. money. Yeah, I don't. like, By the way, did you, I like my feet enough? Sp- speaking of money, did you hear the story about Josh Allen with his new deal? N- what he now makes a dollar twenty-six a second—that's awesome for the next. Was it six years? Good for so, him. It is now not worth it. If he drops a dollar on the ground, it's not worth him to bend over and pick it up. <laughs> That's it the that funniest way. way I've ever heard that put. Right. I think it was Darren Ravel that tweeted that out. That said it is now not worth his time to pick up a dollar off the sidewalk. Because in the time that it took him to do that, he made another one. So for the six years of the contract, he will make $1.26 every second. Correct. Gosh. Which is good for him. Yeah. I saw a lot of negative about that deal, and I cannot wrap my head around it. <laughs> I, I did notice Baker chimed in and said, That's good for the rest of us. You're waiting on a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Baker, uh, <clears throat> don't call us. We'll call you. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't know. I think the money's going to be closer than, you, closer than you want it to be. I don't because I think Andrew Barry is a really, really smart guy. The one thing that's changed the fortunes of the Cleveland Browns. Is that they put the organization in the hands of the smart people? Mm-hmm. And I, I go back to to Elliot Wolf and uh, is it Scott Pioli? They they had him as a he was a lower level exec. They yeah. had a they had some outrageous brain trust for Cleveland about five years ago. Yeah, that's why this team's gotten better. It has absolutely nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. That was the one boo boo they made. Mm-hmm. Had you taken Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, I think you'd be a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> Just think about that. Yeah. Think about if they'd had the this courage to take Josh Allen. And I can tell you, when I was talking to people, there were several that thought he was the best quarterback in that class. They should have. I had him at two. Just let that be. Done. I thought it was absolutely dumb that they took Baker at one, and so did I. They are going to regret it, hundred <laughs> percent, because that paycheck is coming at some point. Oh yeah, he is going to be. He is going to get paid, and. I think Josh Allen at what was what was the yearly breakdown forty three million dollars a year for him. I think Lamar Jackson will get close to that. I said Lamar would be at forty. Baker would be at thirty five. I don't think Cleveland will go higher than that. I hope not. Honestly, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Like if that's what you're coming for. Okay, well, you're nowhere near Josh Allen. No, and do you think there's Lamar another... Jackson won an MVP. Right. Do you think there's another franchise in the NFL that's going to give Baker Mayfield more than $35 million? No, there's not. Yes, there is. Oh, is there oh, really? 100%. 100%. Not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, <laughs> depends on if Trevor Lawrence is the, uh, is the face of the franchise. No, Jazz. they don't know if he's a winner or not. We don't know if he's a winner. We might have to start Tim Tobo. At least Baker has proved that he's a winner. He won eleven games or twelve games, whatever it was, last year. I absolutely hate that argument. The oh he's a winner. Yeah. Everybody's a winner in college. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody that gets to that high level of the NFL, they're almost all winners. I do, lo- especially if they're quarterback. Yeah. I do love the, que- that you question whether or not Trevor Lawrence is a winner. Uh, he lost what one game as a starter. No, but that doesn't matter because it's not the NFL, but my track record matters, even though it oh, wasn't the wait, NFL. wait, what was that? It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if you win in college. Excuse me, Urban Meyer. Yeah. Uh, why, uh, why are we taking advice from you? Yeah. That's exactly where I was headed with that. And you <laughs> cut me off. Saquon Barkley back. He's been removed from the pup list, and he is now back with the New York Giants. He's supposed to be Woo. practicing this afternoon. You keep saying that, but he is, a, he is a generational talent at running back, mm-hmm. and he is going to make a difference for this football team. Mm-hmm. He's a generational talent. Yeah, I'll agree with that. He's still got Danny not so many dimes throwing passes, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to so – in the immortal words of Randy Jackson, that's going to be a no for me, but <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Think, I mean, I, I'm really glad that you did it. Yeah. I'm just – Saquon Barkley's going to be one of those talents that we – look. I mean, he's going to be the Bo Jackson of this generation. We look back and go, man, what could have been. Uh-huh. If you had been on a team that was even kind of well-run – if they had a, if they could have given you the blocking, if they could have kept you healthy, I'll be honest with you. I don't even hate the line. I hate the quarterback. I absolutely cannot stand the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing as the kid. I've heard he's a very nice kid. I hate the situation they put him in, and they have done nothing but compound it for three years now. But now he has uh, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, who gets hurt every time the wind blows. Uh, I mean, they are. A lot he's of those. already been hurt once, mm-hmm. and and I like Kenny Galladay. I just look at it and go, are you really scared of Kenny Galladay? Honestly? like He should be. <sighs> if he's healthy. That's a big if. True, and, and but he plays what? in the game, you got to be scared And of then him. what? Oh, Darius Layton. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a great deep threat. Unfortunately, you have one of the worst deep ball quarterbacks in the NFL. Daniel Jones? Yes. He's got a massive arm. Uh-huh. <laughs> look at his completion percentage on those. Oh, and, and on he can do balls? it. I have no doubt he can do it. Uh, the problem is he doesn't have the line to protect him to do it. It's just one of those whole things of, it's it's the analogy I love using. It's like having a beautiful sports car and you can't drive a stick. Tremendous. You have Slayton that's a deep threat, Sterling Shepard that's scary deep, and Kenny Galladay that's a matchup nightmare because how tall he is. Cool. You also have a quarterback that really likes to fumble, really likes to hold onto the ball too long those two things don't add up to me. And teams are going to absolutely send the house at them. Yeah. As soon as I heard Andrew Thomas is penciled in as the left tackle starter, I went, nope, don't care. The rest of it means nothing to me. Yeah. And that's another one of those picks you look back on and go, how did you not see that? You took him over Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs, who were two of the top ten tackles in the NFL already. Mm Mm-hmm. If you intended on playing him on the left side, why did you take a guy that was a right tackle? I'll, I'll never wrap my head around that. I do that with a team in the draft every single year. But we're glad they did. Oh, I'm, I am I love it. I love it, a- too. And that's coming from a guy who, Makai Becton <laughs> is getting beat senseless by Carl Lawson in practice. Yeah. And I do not care. That just makes me feel better about Carl Lawson than does anything. Yeah. Did you see the video? Oh, yeah. I showed you that video the other day of Tristan Wirfs doing the the seated box jump. Oh, yeah. He's a freak of nature. Good Lord. I, I don't think he's actually human. He was the same one that jumped out of the pool. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was him or Makai. No, Makai was the one that was pulling the truck. During the run-up to the draft last year, Uh yeah, yeah, Makai Becton is a giant human (laughs) being. Right, Makai went to your team, uh, and Tristan Wirfs went to my team. So, uh, I mean, Andrew Thomas going to the to the uh, New York Giants, I'm okay with. it. He also ran a five one forty at six eight three fifty. Yes, he did. For point of reference, uh, I don't care who you are, unless you're in the top three percent of people, you can't run a five one. I don't care how much you weigh. There's another big thing happened at training camp today as Deshaun Watson showed up this morning in pads. Looked like he was ready to do something, and then he didn't do nothing. What in the world is that all about? There are conflicting stories on this. Outkick basically is saying they're gonna figure out a way to get this resolved. Yeah. I don't buy that. I don't either. John McLean, who is the, the formative the, the, the foremost Texans beat reporter. Yes. He said, Deshaun Watson will never play another snap for the Houston Texans. And I, I'm i right there with you. I think that's the way this goes down. But Deshaun Watson showed up this morning in full pads, walked out onto the field, even had a little one-on-one with Nick's cesarean section uh, at the end of the end zone and he was, it, it, I was trying to read lips. I'm not a great re- lip reader, but it, what it looked like to me was Nick Casario saying, uh, just don't go out there and get hurt. Do this fine. We're glad you're here, but just bide your time. You don't need to do anything. that's going to put yourself in danger. Uh, and then he was out there, stood on the sidelines for an hour, I think was what I saw reported. And then he went back to the locker room, showed back up. Guess what? He's in t-shirt and shorts again. So he didn't do anything, but at least he was getting reacquainted with his pads. My my curiosity is why? Why did you put on a jersey? And what I would really like to know is did they know you were doing that? Or did you just go into the locker room and go, I'll show you. I'll expedite (laughs) this just a little bit. (laughs) You show up out in practice with the red quarterback jersey on and everybody goes, No! Do not touch him. Yeah. If you touch him, we will have a problem.
1: <laughs> Do you if think you break him, we cannot
0: trade him. You think you actually think that was part of the calculation? Secret time? Yeah. I asked. I've yet to get a definitive, but there's a little low buzz that the reason he was talking to Nick Casario on the sideline is because he was saying, What are you doing? Yeah. We're not putting you out here. You can put on a jersey all you want to. And that's why he went back to the locker room and put on a t shirt. It was all a show. And then, of course, all the reports after that incident this morning uh, have been, oh, the Houston Texans are actually not giving up right now on him being their quarterback yeah, of the that was, There's a low Stop. rumbling that everything that's happened today it was exactly why he did that. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green on ESPN Asheville. Market analysis. Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green here with you on ESPN Asheville. Yes, we are a UNC Tar Heels affiliate, but today we've got to play the war chant for Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden passed away over the weekend at the age of 91 after a short battle with pancreatic cancer. He'd had several health issues uh, in recent years. He had a couple of visits to the hospital last year, one being with... The coronavirus, and then after the after the pancreatic cancer diagnosis, they knew it was just a short amount of time. Originally, it came out that we they weren't saying what it was, and then I think it was Terry that finally came out and said, "Yeah, it's pancreatic cancer," and we all we all knew it wasn't going to be long. But Bobby Bowden, dead at the age of ninety one, he put and. I mean, he put a mark on the sport of college football that can never be erased. A lot of people that listen to the show know that I'm a diehard, lifelong Florida State fan. What they may or may not know is that there are two people that are responsible for that. Charlie Ward was one. Bobby Bowden was the other. Uh, When I was a kid, I, I looked at Bobby Bowden was almost like a grandfather figure to me. I loved hearing him talk. He's part of the reason that I love this sport, which in turn is part of the reason that I'm here. Mm -hmm. One of the kindest human beings that you will ever have interaction with in your life. There was a story that came out yesterday that no matter who the player was, uh, any player who he wound up in their living room, if their family had cooked something for him, he remembered the family member's name and what they had made. And this was up until he's 90 years old. He's one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of guys. You know, the, the all-shucks, dad-gummit. Just, I, I look at him and Roy Williams very similarly. They remind me of each other in a way. hmm And there will never be others like this. I, I mean, the way the college football and basketball landscape is now, you're not going to see guys that are with a program the way Bobby Bowden was. From 1976 until 2009, he was there for 33 years. Mm-hmm. Led to a complete resurgence of the program. More coaches came off that staff that wound up coaching in D1 college football than you could ever – I mean, I don't even know the number. It's a ton. But Mark Richt, uh, former Georgia and Miami head coach, came out and said – he said something yesterday that it, it really got me. And he said, here's the thing coach Bowden gave me a shout when I was a 25 year old that wasn't qualified to be on his staff, but he saw something in me and it was basically the level of, I learned more about football than I could ever quantify from Bobby Bowden, but I learned more about being a man. And that is what a litany of people came out and said uh, yesterday in the wake of the passing of coach Bowden. And that's, that's the thing that always stuck with me is that every person that came in contact with him, talked about his faith and who he was as a person and, you know, I, I was prepared I, as a Florida State diehard and booster and all the other things. We had been told to prepare for the worst that it was it was escalating. And that was the reason it came out in the media. Right. I could level with you. I still wasn't prepared. This is a guy that it has been a part of my life. In spite of the fact that we've only been in the same room one time. And I guarantee you couldn't have picked me out of a police lineup. Uh, he had more of a, an effect on my life than almost anybody I've ever come in contact with. And it's just a sad day. And he lived a long, wonderful life. And the last thing he ever said to the media was, I know what's coming and I'm prepared for it. Uh, I, I'm prepared for the next stage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the only thing I can say is, uh, you know, rest easy, Coach Bowden. You, you, you had an effect on a lot of us that you never laid eyes on. I promise you that. And we will, in closing, leave the way Bowden would have wanted.